Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of Eclectic Full Contact Theater's splendid satirical saunter down memory lane to those thrilling days of yesteryear, Throwing Shade. Remember, if you love the adventures of the Shade and the Vamp, head over to Patreon at patreon.com EFCT and become a subscriber for shoutouts. Access to bloopers, exclusive interviews, sweet, sweet merchandise, and much more. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Throwing Shade. There is a darkness in the minds of men. A darkness in their hearts. A darkness in a room with no lights. And who knows that darkness? The Shade knows. By day. Theodore Rockwell is a go get reporter for the Chicago Gazette-Times-Herald. But by night, he becomes... The Shade. You know, we're into season three. It's not like you don't know all this information. I just feel we need to change it up a bit. Not like last season when we went with that other intro. That was just not okay. But I don't know. I feel kind of superfluous right now. Like an appendix. It's not the first time either. I think it all started as a child. My mother was... <laughs> and I'm saying all this out loud right now. Moving along and ignoring the last two minutes. <laughs> Using his uncanny ability to wear dark clothing, he, assisted by his girl Friday, Wednesday morning, who is the mysterious female vigilante, the vamp, defends the downtrodden and fights the forces of evil. But can one man defend the innocents from the scourge of Chicago's underbelly? Find out in this week's episode of Growing Shade, Caught in the Act. And sadly, it appears that while the well-primed school of music and literacy is up and running, our advertisements brought just a bit too much scrutiny down on them from the IRS, and they've had to up and move house to an undisclosed location in order to continue operating. So we wish them well, wherever they are, which we have no idea about, just in case anyone's listening. And so, we here at Throwing Shade are thrilled to welcome the fine folks at Woodasap Chewing Gum. Woodasap! The name says it all. Also brought to you by Eclectic Full Contact Theater, bringing you high-quality 1930s radio-style satire since, well, since a time when sitting alone in your house Going nowhere and seeing nobody was looked at as a reason to call the cops instead of one's patriotic duty. Previously on Throwing Shade. Totally concussed! And now, on to our story. Act 1, Scene 1. Crime Doesn't Sell. Editor-in-Chief Clemens has his horizons broadened. Somewhat. It had been a few weeks since Frank Fry, the lieutenant of shame. You know, no matter how many times I see that, it never looks right to me. The British sure do pronounce things weird, like aluminum. Why call it aluminium 
just doesn't make sense. I mean, if he's the lieutenant, who's the right tenant? Huh? Huh? Get it? <laughs> oh, sorry. I've been working here too long. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, it had been a few weeks since Frank Fry had evaded capture. In that time, activity by the criminal... In that time, activity by the criminal organization, Shame, had dwindled, and leads as to Fry's whereabouts had dried up. This resulted in Chicago Gazette Times Herald Editor-in-Chief Clarence Clemens becoming increasingly concerned. I'm becoming increasingly concerned. If they don't pick up the trail of this Frank Fry fella, the repercussions could be terrible. Because the longer he stays free, the better the chance he has of reconsolidating Shane's power and returning stronger than ever? No! Because if they can't pick up his trail, we've got no new information to print. Which means... A, a drop in circulation. Exactly! You have a point. I don't know about you two, but I just got used to eating three times a day again. I'd like to keep that up. Look, Chief, this is Chicago. There's bound to be another major crime wave happening any day now. If only I could believe that. Now, there is another option. What? What other option? We could, and I'm just spitballing here. So that's what hit me in the back of the head earlier. Very immature, Wednesday. No! That is not helping your case. But it does make me feel better. Get on with it. I'm not paying you two to be witty. Unless being witty would sell more papers. Rockwell! <laughs> we could do something crazy, like a, write a story that isn't about crime. Something, I don't know, positive? Are you off your rocker? Who wants to read about that? Well, if you think about it, Chief, it does make sense. Everyday life is depressing, so people need an escape. Something to lift their spirits. Good idea, Wednesday. Good idea, Morning. You know, just once, I'd like... Wait, what? You recognized it was my idea? Of course. Such an effeminate, unmanly, kumbaya idea could only have come from a woman. Ah. No real man would have thought of it. You know, very few bosses have the ability to simultaneously compliment and insult everyone in the room. He is truly a renaissance man. But as luck would have it, I may just be able to do both. Keep writing about crime and give those sad sacks the fluff they want. A few days ago, I got a letter from WNDY Radio. Oh, that's the station that runs the Masked Marauder show. What did it say? Hold on, I have to get it out of the circular file. I'm glad to see you approach the radio industry with such an open mind, Chief. Here it is. Apparently, the two actors from that Masked Marauder show want to pull some publicity stunt by following around the shade in the vamp. That sounds... Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Wait, I was actually going to say ridiculous. It's incredibly dangerous. It would be irresponsible for the shade and the vamp to drag untrained civilians along to their patrols. You mean like that gang of street urchins they took to break up the shame rally? Wow. That's different, Chief. Those were kids. We're talking about actors. Ah, true. You know the old saying, those who can do, those who can't, act. 
Now hold on. I don't think this is a good idea, but I won't have actors derided in this way. What way would you like to have them derided? Wednesday, you know my deep admiration for those in the acting profession, but following the shade and the vamp around is doing things, not pretending to do them. They have to actually leap from rooftop to rooftop, not use some incredibly talented... Incredibly talented! ...foley artists to make it sound like they did. Look, people love reading about celebrities. It makes them happy. And you said you wanted something uplifting. So these two prima donnas run around the city for a night. You get your cutesy feel-good story. I get to keep talking about crime. And the shade and the vamp do something to pay back the city for all the trouble they put it through. How exactly have they... Now take this letter. And head over to the station. The Shade and the Vamp are not going to like this. And maybe they should get off their masked backsides and find Frank Fry. Or better yet, keep their noses out of it completely. Well, if they did that, Chief, then the only crime stories you would get would come from... Police Police Chief Chief Cannoli. Cannoli. I see your point. Oh, he is always good for a quote. That you can't make sense of. Enough chit-chat. Get out there and get me that story! There's a lot of crowd noises over here. What are you typing? Going on record is thinking this is a terrible idea. Look, we'll take them out, make sure they never get near anything remotely dangerous, and call it a night. I don't think we should be indulging those actors. It's too risky. As much as I hate to admit that Clemens was right, especially now that he's got the image of masked backsides in my head, we have used Spunky and his gang and Wally Winchell. That's completely different. Wednesday, you're not making sense. How is it different? I don't like being used as a publicity stunt, especially not for that show. Why? What's wrong with the masked marauder? It's riveting entertainment. And those lead actors, Melvin Clive as Cranston Lamont, the masked marauder, is incredible. And that Anna Bracegirdle as his assistant, Marlowe Street, to die for. And so funny. Mm. What's the matter? Nothing. You just go right ahead singing the praises of that program. Of course you would. You're a man! Now you take that back. I, I mean, uh, go wait for me. Act 1, Scene 2. Getting Static. Theo and Wednesday meet the man behind WNEY and deal with a lot of hot air. After a rather tense car trip across town... Wednesday, you seem to have forgotten to unlock the doors! Why, Wednesday? Theodore Rockwell and Wednesday morning arrived at WNDY Radio. They were directed to the office of the station manager, one Sammy Goldwing. Well, they were directed to his secretary, who then directed them to wait. You need to wait. Mr. Goldwing is in conference and is extremely busy. 
I'll let him know you're here. Mr. Goldwing, there are two newspaper people here to see you. Newspaper people? What? Are they looking to jump ship before we run them out of business? <laughs> I kid, I kid. Tell them they need to wait, Moidle. I'm at a conference and I'm extremely busy. Already done, Mr. Goldwing. Atta girl, Myrtle. Mr. Goldwing says yes, that you... Yes, we heard. Thank you, Myrtle. That's Miss Pierce to you, girly. Girly? You listen here! Thank you, Miss Pierce. You've been most efficient and minimally helpful. Thank you, young man. Nice to see someone in your grubby little industry has a sense of propriety. We'll be right over there in those incredibly uncomfortable-looking chairs. As you should. Okay, Wednesday, before we see this Goldwing fella, you need to tell me what's got your dander up. I don't like this assignment any more than you do, but I like the breadline even less. You wouldn't understand. Wednesday, we've been partners for a long time now, and my ability to understand has never stopped you from expressing your opinion. I don't appreciate the way Marlowe Street is portrayed on The Masked Marauder. Why? She has all the best lines. She's hilarious. A complete ditz. Exactly. She does nothing but play second fiddle to that Cranston Lamont, who, by the way, is condescending and paternalistic. Look, they need comic relief, and when it comes to comedy, the tradition is one's the smart one and the one's the dim one. Fine. But why's the woman have to be the dim one? Anytime it's a man and a woman, she's the one without any brains. Why can't it be the other way around? A radio program about a dim male hero and his brainy female sidekick? Yes. Nah, it never work. Men! All right, all right. I can see what you're saying, but why are you taking it so personally? Think about it, Theo. The Masked Marauder is obviously based on the shade, right? Yes. So that means that Cranston Lamont corresponds to you. Well, he's dashing, intelligent, and roguishly handsome, so... <laughs> Which means Marlow Street corresponds to... You, obviously, but I still don't... Oh, uh, oh, oh... I see what you mean. Thank you. But they're just fictional characters. I'm sure the actress Anna Bracegirdle isn't like that in real life. Thanks a bunch, Mr. Goldwing. I really do appreciate it. I tell you, Myrtle, that Mr. Goldwing is aces. Always so helpful. Willing to explain what's going on in the scripts, which is good because they're so complicated. You were saying? In fairness, the plots are often convoluted. I mean, how am I supposed to remember that Cranston Lamont and the Master Murata are the same person when they have different names? And Melvin uses two different voices. I mean, what's a girl to do? I have nothing to say. Always a pleasure to see you, Miss Bracegirdle. You're always a breath of fresh air. Most of it blowing between our ears. Thanks, Myrtle. Use a peach. Yeah, she's definitely the pits. I wonder if they'll have sourdough in the bread line. I do enjoy a good sourdough. Don't worry, sweetie. Sammy's a real nice guy. He's got a real eye for talent. <laughs> no, no, no. You see, I'm not. Though I don't know how he's going to see yours if you don't get rid of that typewriter. Break a leg. 
I know whose I'd like to start with. Whitehall, where are those newspaper jokers? Right here, Mr. Goldwing. Well, send them in. I ain't paying you to sit out there gossiping with them. No, Mr. Goldwing, of course not, Mr. Goldwing. All right, you two, you heard Mr. Goldwing. Go on in. Thank you, Miss Pierce, and don't worry. I'm sure you'll get your comeuppance. From your mouth to Goldwing's ears, Mr. Rockwell. I don't think I've ever really appreciated the depth of your sarcastic side before this, Theo. Many points for you. All part of the service, Miss Morning. Shall we? What shall? I'm in already. Hello, Mr. Goldwing. I'm Theodore Rockwell, and this is my girl Friday, Wednesday morning. Who was she the rest of the week? <laughs> hmm. Sweetheart, you should type that up. It's gold. Pure gold. Oh, absolutely. I've never heard that one before. Pure pyrite. Of course you haven't, because Sammy Goldwing is an original. Everything I say is gold. It's golden. You can put it in the periodic table. But only once in a while. Because it's a periodic table, so you can only put it in periodically. Once in a while. First rule of comedy, kid. Don't tell a joke you gotta explain. That's why smart people make lousy comedians. Don't take brains to appreciate a pie in the face. But that plays great on the radio. I got in touch with that archaic newspaper of yours because you two have exclusive access to the shade and the vamp. And my two leads have gotten it in their heads that they're some sort of serious actors, which is bourgeois. They stand there and read. My six-year-old nephew can do that. You know what my six-year-old nephew can't do? Call his blood-sucking agent, invoke a contract, and pull in a union. To keep the peace, I'm willing to let these two putzes go gallivanting around all over the city following those two masked jokers. I need you two to set it all up so I can get my actors back in the studio and working so I don't lose any more time and money than I already have. Sorry, why are you still here? What's the matter, sweetheart? Was I going too fast uh, for you? A, a girl can only handle so much gold at once, Mr. Goldwing. Call me Sammy. I like you. You've got what the Greeks call chutzpah. Sammy? You call me Mr. Goldwing. Of course. <clears throat> Mr. Goldwing, we're a little unclear on the details. What are Mr. Clive and Ms. Bracegirdle expecting to do? How should I know? You think I speak clueless actor? I didn't get to where I am today by worrying about the details. Details are for those who can't think big. Ooh, that's good. Get that one down, sweetheart. That's Pure gold. Exactly. You want details? Talk to Moidle. She's one for details. All I want to know is when my insanely popular leads will get back to work. All this artistic integrity malarkey is killing me. Entertainment would be a heck of a lot better if we didn't have to deal with entertainers. <laughs> well, we won't take up any more of your time, Mr. Goldwyn. You call me Sammy. Oh, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, chutzma. Chutzma. That's one word for it. <laughs>
mispronounced and wrongly attributed, but a void nonetheless. And you've got it, sweetheart. If he called me that one more time, he was going to end up with royal O-keys instead of teeth. Thank goodness he didn't. I'm still making payments on that typewriter. Let's talk to Myrtle. Do we have to? Excuse me, Miss Pierce. Ah, Mr. Rockwell and companion, how may I help you? <laughs> companion, <laughs> Theo, just how many payments do you have left? <clears throat> Mr. Goldwing would like us to speak with Anna Bryce Girdle and Melvin Clive. Do you know where we might find them? They're in the script room going over this week's story with the writer and director. End of the hall on the right. I do hope this brouhaha will be over soon. They're a bit too full of themselves, if you ask me. Which nobody did. Thank you, Miss Pierce. Come on, Wednesday. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm longing for the enlightened, progressive attitude of Mr. Clemens. Fear not, Wednesday. I'm sure things will look up. We're going to see creative types. How bad can they be? Hmm. Act 1, Scene 3. All we get is radio blah blah. The behind-the-scenes reality of radio refuses to stay behind the scenes. As Theo and Wednesday made their way to the script room, behind that closed door, chaos reigned in the land of make-believe. How many times must we go over the exact same thing? Why are you incapable of understanding even the simplest of concepts? You are the worst! Which reminds me, when's lunch? Not my fault, Otto. The script makes no sense. Terribly sorry, Anna. I tried to keep the words as short as possible. Marion, <clears throat> I don't think you're being quite fair. I don't see why we can't question why our characters would do the things they do. Last week, Marlow Street didn't understand friction, so she ended up trapped in a runaway ore cart. Now this week, she doesn't understand gravity, so she gets trapped in a pit? How does somebody become an adult without understanding anything? I'll bite, Anna. How? We have discussed this, Anna. Marlo does not understand things because we need her to not understand anything. Otherwise, the masked marauder cannot save the day, and the masked marauder must save the day. Which reminds me, is it fall back and spring forward, or spring back and fall forward? I do have to question why Cranston Lamont would continue to use an assistant whose only demonstrable talent is the ability to become trapped. Really, Melvin? You can't understand why a dashing, handsome man would tolerate a useless but gorgeous assistant? Oh. Right, never mind. What? What did I miss? Pretty much everything, dearie. Now, now, there's no need to be rude, Marion. Oh, I do apologize, Melvin. I guess I should welcome having my scientific plots picked apart by a woman whose understanding of chemistry ends with peroxiding her roots. Tells you what you know, I ain't got any plants. It was at this very moment that our heroes made the massive mistake of opening the door and entering the room. Excuse me. 
Who are you? Never mind. Out, out. This is a closed rehearsal. Schnell, schnell. Which reminds me, I could really go for some escargot. I must protest. These scripts are top secret. I say, old bean, it's not cricket busting in here, interrupting the artistic process. How are we to find our characters with strangers gawking at us? Absolutely. Wait, Melvin, where do our characters go that we gotta find them? What are you doing? I'm getting this down. Otherwise, nobody will believe it. Heck, I'm listening to it and even I don't believe it. I demand to know whose you are. I don't know who the fella is, but the dame is a new actress. I saw the two of them outside of Sammy's office earlier. Maybe he's her agent. I am not. That's not. <laughs> Agents, bloodsuckers, vermin. I mean that in the nicest way, of course. And, and no talent. Wunderbar, wunderbar. Although I am confused by the typewriter. Unless you're a writer, is that it? I have made it very clear that I do not collaborate on this show. I write it, and no one else. It may be why all the plots seem the same. <clears throat> Excuse me. An advertiser. Thank you. Now, if I might be able to get a word in, my name is Theodore Rockwell, and this is my girl Friday, Wednesday morning. Terribly sorry, old chap, but could you repeat that last part a, a bit slower? Some of us were making rather merry last night, and the fog isn't quite lifted, <clears throat> if you take my meaning. My name is Wednesday morning. What a name! You'll be a star! I can see it now! Every Tuesday night, it's Wednesday morning! Do you have any talent? Never mind, it's probably better if you don't. It only gets in the way. If there is one thing that I, Otto Oppenheimer, director of some of the most successful radio programs ever, has always known, it's a murder. Marion, what is it that I have always known? You don't need talent if you've got it. Yeah, exactly. It? What's it? Nobody knows. I know. Me. That is why I am the greatest director in the world. I know. So what is it? I have no idea, but I recognize it when I see it. And you've got it in spades. You must be mistaken. I have to agree. Wednesday doesn't even garden. I'm giving you points for that. Begrudgingly. Listen, I'm pretty sure my contract gives me final say over casting another woman of the female persuasion. You've obviously never read your contract. She barely reads the scripts. Can we go home now? I can't believe I'm the most mature one in this room. <clears throat> Look, if everyone could please focus, we're not actors, we're not agents, and we're not writers. We're from the Chicago Gazette Times Herald. We are writers. What station is that on? That's a newspaper, you sweet summer child. It's born in the fall. It's like a radio, but you read it. I don't understand. What a surprise. So, you are the reporters here to help these two complete and utter <clears throat> artists of the highest order fulfill their calling and follow the shade and the vamp. Indulge in selfish shenanigans, more like. Ignore the Philistines. I'm happy to make your acquaintance, Melvin Clive, voice of Cranston Lamont, the masked marauder. It seems you've already met our fair damsel, Anna Bracegirdle. <laughs> 
Our paths have crossed, yes. And this is our head writer, Miss Marion Sturgis. Your only writer. So glad the paper decided to take us seriously. I've had a devil of a time convincing the powers that be at the station that an actor needs to fully live his character's experience in order to portray him truthfully. Or he could just act. Mr. Clive. Please, my dear, call me Melvin. Right. Melvin, you do realize this wouldn't be an act. The Shade and the Vamp get into real danger. My dear, that's what I'm counting on. How can I inflect my lines with the correct tone of pathos, foreboding, and courage if the greatest risk I've ever faced is having no olives for my martini? Again, I believe it's called acting. And you both feel this way? Oh, yes. Anna is in complete agreement with me, aren't you, darling? Sorry? My apologies. I didn't realize you were out. I'll call back later. Now, I need you to set this up quickly. We have a show to put on in only a couple of days, and we need all the rehearsal we can get. Which reminds me, when do we have rehearsal? Please do make it quick. Melvin here has refused to do any substantive work until all this is taken care of. Well, we could set it up for tonight, but... Smashing! <laughs> now that's the old can-do attitude. You work it all out and give Myrtle the details. I dare say we're in for some real excitement now. Isn't that glorious? Anna, my pet? Sorry? Still not back yet, I see. No matter. This calls for a drink. There's just one thing I don't understand. Don't sell yourself short, Anna. I'm sure there's more than just one. How can they help us if they're not the Shade and the Vamp? Oh, no, we're definitely not them. Not at all. We are reporters. Just reporters. But we know them. Not well. Not well. In passing. But they trust us. So we'll get them to help you. Them. Not us. Because we are not them. Got, Got it? it? Now, if only I could get that kind of delivery on this show. Which reminds me, I have a hankering for Chinese food. Well, that wore me out. <laughs> Come along, Anna. Drinkies. Finally, somebody's making sense. I am off to, um, well, do something directorial. That means nap. Sorry you got dragged into all this. They really do coddle the actors here far too much. Miss Sturgis, don't take this the wrong way, but I was quite surprised to find out this show was uh, written by a woman. Well, that was blunt, to the point, and borderline insulting. I knew I was going to like you, Miss Morning. And considering you cart a typewriter around your neck, you must believe women can be successful writers. Of course. I guess I was just surprised that the character of Marlowe Street is such a cliché. Fitzy utterly useless for anything but her looks, and completely dependent on a man. This show needed comic relief, and it's a comic tradition to have one part of a couple be the smart one and the other member be the dim one. Yes, I understand that. But I would think that as a woman... That I'd write some sort of take-charge, super-competent female character in order to bring about change in society? <laughs> this is a radio serial, Miss Morning, not high art. I write what advertisers are willing to sponsor. You want to change the system? 
you gotta be in the system. I'm a female head writer and darn good at my job. That's how minds change. Plus, you've met Anna, right? But... Look, I appreciate you two helping us out, but this is radio, not the newspaper game. You can shove your ads off onto a specific page. Us, we have to work them into the program. And they never sound natural, no matter what we do. But we don't have a choice, because without those sponsors... Breadlines. You know, for a man, you've got a pretty good head on your shoulders. Thank you. Now, if you're through questioning my artistic integrity as a woman, I have to go shorten all of the words in Anna's lines. Call Myrtle when you have the details. You know, Theo, I think this publicity stunt might end up more dangerous than we thought. How so? The chances are better than ever that I'm going to throw both of those schmucks off a roof tonight. We'll return to throwing shade in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Friends, are you despairing of the rising cost of cigarettes? Is shelling out 10 cents a pack forcing you to choose between a good smoke and a troubles blurring bottle of wine? Then despair no longer. Stop throwing money away on cigarettes and buy What A Sap Chewing Gum. That's right. What a sap chewing gum is the perfect substitute for high-priced smokes. Made of a combination of pine tar, anchovy oil, and pure leaf tobacco, what a sap chewing gum gives you that same enervating hit of tobacco with the refreshing taste of real anchovies. Never have your wife complain about the smell of tobacco again with what a sap. Plus, the genuine pine tar means that after about three minutes, what a sap chewing gum can be used as a strong and unbreakable adhesive. So stop throwing good money after bad on cigarette taxes and get yourself a pack of what a sap. What a sap. The name says it all. And now, a few words from other important personages. And now, back to our story. Act 2, Scene 1, Crossed Wires. What we have here is a failure to communicate. While Theo and Wednesday made their way back from WNDY Radio, at a payphone in a less than desirable part of town, a criminal call was being placed. three cents a few days ago. I'm sorry, Carla. What did you say? I couldn't quite understand you. I said it was only three cents a few days ago. City's put up 30 more payphones in that time. They don't pay for themselves, so we pass their cost on to you. Forgive me for asking, but are you feeling all right? I'm fine. Why? 
Your voice sounds muffled, almost like you're attempting to disguise it. What? I'm not. I mean, you see, it's just that. Uh... Sir, and I realize I'm making an assumption here. No offense meant. Oh, long time I guess I can see how you can make that mistake. But you see... But if you're using the phone box for a nefarious, unsavory, or criminal enterprise... Please, operator. It's gonna cost you ten cents. I can assure you, operator... Wait, what? Ten cents? You think any of us operators see a piece of these price increases? Not a red cent. Girls gotta make a living. I'm in the wrong racket. Well, no. I trust that extra five cents buys your discretion. You won't know I'm here. Connecting you now. Chicago Gazette Times Herald Editor-in-Chief Clarence Clemens speaking. What do you want? Listen carefully. I have something I want you to print. Great Caesar salad! I can't understand a thing you're saying. What's wrong with your voice? You sick or something? No, I'm not sick. I... He's disguising his voice due to being involved in something underhanded. Operator, what happened to not knowing you're there? Not to worry, sir. That's a sir? That's the assumption we're working with for now. I thought you could use some help getting your point across at no extra charge. Wow, the wonders never cease. I'm sorry, sir. I didn't quite hear that. You're breaking up. In fact, you may lose the connection altogether. I said how wonderful. That's what I thought you said. Does anybody want to let me in on what's going on? I believe the caller wants you to print something for him. What? Nothing doing. We have a section called Letters to the Editor, not Phone Calls to the Editor. If I printed every crank phone call I got, there'd be no room for news. Go pound sand, crackpot. This is no joke. I assure you, Mr. Clemens. What? It's no joke. Who are you calling a slowpoke, buddy? That's not... I think he said go smoke. What makes him think I ain't? It's a newspaper office. I smoke where I want. I thought it was no joke. No joke. Well, why didn't you say so? Okay, mystery man, what's so important? This city will experience a reign of terror, the likes of which it has never... Hold on, hold on, what are you talking about? This city's gonna experience Greeny Pepper? That's ridiculous. No, what I said was... I believe you said we would experience Brainy Terriers. How does that make any... Are you seriously wasting my time talking about a trained dog act? Doesn't sound that nefarious to me. Ever have to sit through one of those acts? Terror. I said reign of terror. Oh. Oh. Yeah, that makes more sense. Significantly more sinister. Please, carry on. Thank you. <clears throat> Nobody will be able to stop it. Not the police. Not the city government. Did you get that? Yeah, yeah. Police can't stop you, neither than the city government. I'm with you. You're doing much better. Thank you. Nor can I be stopped by those foolish vigilantes. All right, hold it.
I may be a hard-nosed, hard-drinking, gritty newsman, but I refuse to print straight filth. What? Besides, I don't even know what giggle skinnies are. Oh, for crying out loud. Now, Mr. Clemens, that's not what he said at all. Oh, no. He said something about veggies and Chianti. That's it. You know what? Forget it. Forget the whole call. You're not getting my five cents back. I don't care. Keep it. What about your reign of terror? There's no point. I can't ruin this city any more than the two of you. I'm moving to Iowa. Criminals just don't have any patience these days. Amen, sister. Act 2, Scene 2, Four Shadows Theo and Wednesday get briefly briefed by Cannoli. I would like to apologize for everything that happened in that last scene. I really have no idea where this season is going. Anyway, back to our story. I hope. Theodore Rockwell and Wednesday morning paid a visit to Police Chief Cannoli in search of important information. Chief Cannoli, we're here in search of important information. The more things change... Well, that's not exactly the type of thing we keep track of here at the police headquarters, but I'll see what we can do. Punch, John! What is he? I don't even want to think about it. You called, Chief? Anything we can do, like maybe run out for donuts? What is it with you two and donuts? I swear, you two eat so many donuts, even your expressions is a glaze. Mm, glaze. Did he just say something that made sense? I believe he did. I don't know what to think. Gotta admit it. I'm scared. Hold me. What? Nothing. I said nothing. Moving on. All right, then. Mr. Rockwell and Miss Morning need all of the information we have on a man who can't have no babies. I'm confused. Me too. I can understand that. See, what we really need is... Ain't that all men? Okay, I gotta admit, I have no idea where this is going now. I think it's best we just stay out of it. Why do you mean all a man? I got a five bambinos myself. Wait. I thought you had four children. Oh, no, Carmela, she's expecting, but I wasn't supposed to say. <laughs> oh, well, I guess the rat is out of the bag. Oh, a cat. No, we still don't have a cat, just the puddles, and we really don't need one with a baby on the way. No, uh, the cat is out of the bag. Why would you want a cat in a bag? They just get mad and scratch you. No, 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 no. You want a rat in the bag. Then throw them out of your house. Mm-hmm. Just when you think you've heard everything. So you see, I can have a babies. Yes, but Chief, you didn't have the baby. Mrs. Cannoli did. Yeah, I don't remember that much from the birds and the bees talk. My old man paid somebody else to give me, but I'm pretty sure only the birds can have kids. I thought it was the bees. I do admit it's confusing. Why are you talking about birds and the bees? Ah! Americans don't know nothing. Everybody knows that babies come from cabbages. As a college-educated man, I must insist that you're all wrong. It's the storks. 
<laughs> well, I am definitely enjoying this symposium on male ignorance and misinformation. This ain't no symposium. None of us play an instrument. I'm ignoring that. Punch and John are correct. Only women can actually have the babies. Well, would you look at that? At what? And they were doing so well. But, Chief, what we are looking for is important information. Oh. In that case, we can definitely help you. What kind of important information is you looking for? What's the easiest, simplest, and least physically dangerous case you're presently working on? Hold on, let me check my notes. Difficult, complex, and physically dangerous cases. Ah, uh, Punch just writes really big. Oh. In his defense, it makes his reports very easy to read. Oh, here's one. We've had several complaints about mimes performing on train platforms without a license. No, no mimes. mimes. Can't say I blame you. Um, there's been a string of early morning break-ins at bakeries lately. Several loaves of bread are taken each morning. Oh, that one might work. I don't know. It has the potential to go awry. <laughs> Why am I laughing? <laughs> Anything else? That was about it. Wait, there's that vagrant case. Oh, that's nothing. Why do you mean nothing? Why you no tell me about a vagrant case? I could solve that in no time. Everybody knows I got the best nose in the station. Vagrant. People who ain't got no place to go, Chief. Oh, never mind. Tell us about this vagrant case. Nothing much to tell, honestly. Yeah, just reports from several landlords about people busting into empty buildings and squatting there. Surely that's not unusual these days. Sadly, no. But if they know people are squatting there, how is it still a case? Can't you simply go round them up? Well, that's the thing. Whoever this person is, they only stay in the buildings overnight. While the landlords found evidence of them being there, they never caught them coming back. And we never found anything that would lead us to find out who this guy is. So basically, you're looking for a completely unknown, untraceable person who randomly breaks into vacant buildings for only one night and does no damage. Pretty, Pretty much. much. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Scusi, but I know Mr. Clemens very well, and this don't seem like a case he would be having you two chase her down. In a breathtaking act of keeping the running time of the episode short... Theo and Wednesday quickly filled Punch, John, and Chief Cannoli in on the masked marauder's actor's plan. This led to an utterance of deep understanding and philosophical consideration from Punch. Actors are weird. Armed with the details, such as they were, of the vagrant's habits, Theo and Wednesday left police headquarters to set up the meeting between their alter egos and the actors. 
Well, Mr. Rockwell, it seems we found the perfect case for our thespionic visitors. We certainly have, Miss Morning. There's no way those two could get into any trouble merely keeping an eye on an empty building. Well done. This calls for a celebration. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? That since hackers' cigarettes were taken off the market... <coughs> uh... <coughs> Sorry, continue. And other smokes are insanely overpriced, that the best way to get the joy of a good, smooth smoke without breaking the bank is to try a piece of water-sap chewing gum? My, that's... pungent! That's because water-sap chewing gum contains only the finest anchovy oil. Well, that makes sense. Wait, wait. <laughs> did you say anchovies? Yes, I did. Helps cover the odor of the full-leaf tobacco found in every slice of water-sap chewing gum. Never have your better half complain about smoky breath ever again. Ooh, I can imagine. And just wait till you taste it. Mm. Wow, that's um, very... Chewy. It sure is. That's the pure pine tar. You get that great tobacco hit, refreshing anchovy taste, and a great workout for your jaw. No double chins when you chew water sap. Is it just me? Or is it getting harder? Well spotted, Wednesday. In today's uncertain economic climate, products should have multiple uses. And water sap chewing gum is just that kind of product. After a luxurious three minutes of chewing time, water sap transforms into a powerful putty capable of mending broken crockery, table legs, and even filling rusted automobile panels. In fact, four out of five dentists recommend water sap chewing gum for their patients' fillings. Water sap sure is amazing. I think it even cleans my back teeth. I'll make sure to pick some up. However, when I said celebrate, I was thinking in a more typical way. Way ahead of you, Wednesday, and the first round's on me. Oh, that's awfully big of you, Theo. Not at all. Now come on, to the mini-golf course. Gotta admit, that is better than my idea. Act 2, Scene 3. Too Much Static. The actor's plans get underway. Kind of. Maybe. Later that evening, after an eventful afternoon tilting at windmills... Ow! My eye! If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, Theo, you don't use a driver in mini-golf. The Shade and the Vamp arrived at WNDY Radio to meet with their theatrical counterparts. So where are these two masked maroons? Electricity costs money, you know. This place should have been closed up hours ago. I ain't paying overtime. Wido? Them two crime-fighting clowns show up yet? No, Mr. Goldwing. I haven't seen them. Nor is she likely to. Ah! Sammy, don't worry, I'm here to... Oh, it's you. It is. Cheese and crackers, Moidal. What was that all about? I heard you yell and I thought you were in need, and I... So sorry to interrupt. How did you get in here anyway? I am the shade. I am everywhere. Moidal, this is why I tell you to lock the windows. Sorry, Mr. Goldwing. It won't happen again. 
see that it does it. So you're the shade, huh? Where's the other one? The cute one, the vamp. Right here. Ah! That really undermines our mystique, Shade. You're the vamp, huh? Yeah, I see it. You got that kind of Virginia Pearson thing going on. Nice outfit. Thanks. It has pockets. Proper young ladies don't require pockets. And how did you get in? Walked through the front door. There was nobody at the desk, so... Moidle. I'm so sorry, Mr. Goldwing. I... Never mind, Moidle. I know you were busy rushing to my rescue. Whatever good that would have done. Just go get Melvin and Adam. We're here. Ah! Ah! Well, well, who's undermining the mystique now? Melvin Clive was decked out in the masked marauder signature ebony three-piece suit. Mask, fedora, and... <gasps> a cape! Oh, brother. While Anna Bracegirdle was much more impractically clad in an... Evening gown? Miss Bracegirdle, what are you wearing? Boy, and here I thought you were supposed to be brainy. It's an evening gown. Ask a silly question. All right. Why are you wearing an evening gown? This is what Marlowe Street wears whenever she and Cranston Lamont go into action. You see, trouble seems to only raise its ugly head whenever Cranston and Marlowe are at a high-class society functions. Plus, it's much easier to get snatched in one of these. Yes, quite. You work in radio. Why do you dress up? It helps us get connected to our characters. Exactly. Plus, I really love sparkles. This won't do at all. If you're going to follow me around, you can't be made up like a damsel in distress. Which dress should I be made up like a damsel in? So sorry, I'll sort it all out. Come along, darling. Time to get you out of that dress. Ooh, is it Thursday already? Just come along. Moidle, I'm in need. Oh, Mr. Goldwing, I've been waiting so many years for you to say that. Just let me... I'm in need of you to go help those two out. Otherwise, we're never going to get this show on the road. Yes, Mr. Goldwing, of course. You see what I got to work with here? It's like working with kids. Except worse, because I can't pay those two in peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. My heart bleeds for you. Sammy, what is she doing here? Excuse me? Sure, Marion, come on in. How are you? Me? I'm doing great. So glad we got the small talk out of the way. I'm sorry, Miss Sturgis, but what seems to be the problem? The problem is you brought the vamp here, and I think we can all agree that neither Anna Bracegirdle nor Marlowe Street is a masked crime fighter. Maybe that's the problem. I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were the writer. I... If we have to indulge in this ridiculous plan, then Anna should be following that Wednesday morning woman around. The vampire is just going to confuse her more. <laughs> if that's possible. Oh, for crying out loud, what does it matter? Fine. Then you can answer all her questions about why Marlowe Street doesn't swing from ropes and jump across rooftops or have pockets. 
That's what I'd like to know. Ladies, please, could we? Stop! Halt! Aufhören! Otto, I know you're foreign, but you work for cheap, so what do I care? Otto, what are you doing here? Everyone was running around and busting through doors. I didn't want to be left out. Ach, the shade and the vamp, what an honor! Shade, you are looking most nocturnal. And vamp, you have quite the Latalenia look going. Schöne Kleidung. Thanks. It has pockets. You speak German? Plate the ass. Oh. Look, vamp, all the respect in the world, but Marion's got a point. The last thing we need is Anna having independent thoughts. She ain't built for it. That is the most... Before this gets any worse, can I say something? I believe you just answered your own question. This should be good. While I do think the vamp is owed an apology for the way your concerns were brought up... Thank you. I didn't realize Vigilante's feelings were so fragile. It is an accurate statement that the actors would benefit the most from following those who most closely resemble their characters. Thank you. You're taking her side. Miss Sturgis, the vamp will go and inform Miss Morning where to meet us, and Miss Bracegirdle can follow her instead. I'm glad you finally see sense. Ah, that reminds me. I have a large amount of spare change to sort through. I'll feed us in. Mad as a hatter, but he works cheap. It'll take me a while to find Wednesday. I can only move so fast with a knife in my back. After all, Miss Morning is an intelligent, independent woman with a good head on her shoulders, who will no doubt give Miss Bracegirdle all sorts of interesting and helpful insights into her role. Wait. I forgive you everything. I'll make sure Wednesday is there as soon as possible. I need to go lay down. I don't feel well at all. Never thought I'd say this, but I prefer dealing with criminals. You and me both. Hypothetically speaking, of course. In case anybody happens to be listening. Before Sammy Goldwing could manage to incriminate himself any further, Melvin Clive, Anna Bracegirdle, and Myrtle Pierce returned, with Anna now clad in an outfit more well-suited to actual movement. There. I hope this will suffice, though I've never understood the desire some women have to wear trousers. They are much easier to walk in, but I miss my sparkles. They're quite flattering, yet they seem impractical. There are no pockets. Don't you start. Come on, we're off to meet Wednesday morning. I thought we were doing this tonight. No, I... I'll explain on the way. Come along, Anna. Well then, I'm off. Until later! You closed the window, Myrtle. Yes, I did. I would have thought you'd have seen that. No matter. I'm all right. I'm all right. Good thing we're on the first floor.
Thank goodness they're gone. Is there anything I can get you, Mr. Goldwing? A new career, Moidle, with no actors. Will Melvin and Anna find what they're looking for? Who's that? Will the night go off without a hitch? Hey, I ain't paying you, you know. Will Wednesday morning get through the night without hitting? Well, anybody? Though, I gotta admit, you're good, you. Answers to questions will appear in next week's pulse-rattling conclusion to throwing shade caught in the act. Here's a sneak listen to next week's episode. Oh! This has been Throwing Shade, sponsored by What A Sap Chewing Gum. Throwing Shade is brought to you by Chicago's premier storefront theater, eclectic full-contact theater, reminding you to stay safe and stay home. And listen to every episode of Throwing Shade. Check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash EFCT and become a monthly subscriber for exclusive access to rehearsal videos, outtakes, photos, fancy shade merchandise, and more. Plans start as low as $3 a month, so support your favorite podcast for mere pennies during the pandemic. And don't forget about our other podcasts, all part of the Eclectic Podcast Network. Deep Shadows, Bloody Bay, Cluster F***, Monocyte, and the Half Hour Audio Hour, our monthly audio drama anthology. There's something for everyone. Created by Sarah Siegel and Andrew Pond. Written by Andrew Pond and Kaylee Osterman. Starring the voice talents of Jessica Lauren Fisher, Daniel Houle, Serena Johnston, Noelle Pleiss, Kaylee Osterman, Andrew Pond, Rochelle Prue, and Monica Safflick. Our Foley artist is Laurie Iyer. Our engineer is Daniel Houle. And I'm your narrator, Noelle Kleiss. Special thanks to Tina Salamone. Tune in next week. Same shade time. Same shade. Same shade.